raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, going to be a part of the broadcast. May want to take his rain outfit coming up on Sunday in Baltimore. The Colts and the Ravens and Jay Feely from CBS joins us. Hey, Jay, welcome to the show here in Indy. How are you? Appreciate it. I'll, I'll be up in the booth, so I don't have to worry about the rain. It'll be nice. I'll be looking down on the rain. <laughs> Hey, um, I, w- I want to see, would you rather go see Psychedelic Furs or Squeeze with us or Greta Van Fleet if you're going to see a concert tonight? Which would be your choice? I think, you know, I'm going to go with Metallica. They were in AZ last weekend. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is like uh, as, as football players, m- music means a lot to athletes. I think we've seen that over the years. Now you see them warming up on the field with like everybody's in their own little world with their headphones. So not surprising. Athletes are big music fans as well. Don't you find that to be true? Yeah, but I'm getting old too, because I don't know anything. My son, you know, as he's getting ready for his games at Colorado, I don't know what son they're playing with. You know, I don't know any of those. (laughs) Before we talk uh, NFL, what can you believe the wildness that's going on out there in Boulder? No, it's crazy. I mean, Dion and I did games together about six years ago on Thursday Night Football, it's where we got to know each other. And it was kind of how my son ended up there when, you know, when he decided to transfer from ASU. And, you know, I, I was very excited for him to play for Dion because I knew him as a man, as a person, and I knew, like, what he would bring to that university. But I had no idea, like, what would actually happen. You know, the, the chaos, the craziness, the, you know, the, the spotlight that has been on there, it's just been unbelievable. And, you know, if they can find a way to get a win, which would be tough against a good Oregon team on the road without Travis Hunter, but if they can find a way to get a win, I'm going next week to USC at Colorado. It'd just be absurd. <laughs> yeah, they'd yeah. be a, they'd be in the top ten, no doubt about it. Yeah, that'd be a big win. You know, and and you know, I, I don't think a lot of people knew like how good some of those players were. Like I watched Shador a lot during the spring football and, and fall. I went out to a bunch of practices and and. I was. I kept telling people like, "Oh no, he he he's legit. Like he can spin it. He he plays with anticipation. He's got really good accuracy. He's a really good quarterback." And I think you've seen that in the first three weeks. Jay Feely's got the CBS broadcast coming up on Sunday in Baltimore with the Colts and the Ravens. All right, Jay. Honestly, when you look at the injury list, there are a myriad of players out, and obviously most noted for the Colts, Anthony Richardson and Ryan Kelly, quarterback and center. But when you really look at it closely and look at all the players that Baltimore is going to be missing, I mean, who, who has it, you think, worse going in in terms of missing players on that injury list going into week three in Baltimore Sunday? Well, I think the Ravens might be missing seven starters. So I, I think you'd have to go with the Ravens, you know, when it comes to injuries, not having a guy like Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams and then, you know, a couple of the offensive line with Linderbaum and Staley and Odell as well. And, you know, Justice Hill maybe not being able to play. And, and then they, and then they you know, they lose their, their lead back as well. So there's certainly – but when you don't have your quarterback, I mean, it's such a quarterback-driven league that it really comes down to that's the biggest, you know, guy out there. And, and Gardner, Gardner played really well last week. I, you know, I, I've seen him play a lot. And he's a guy who certainly knows his offense really well, can function well within his offense and stepped in and – you know, have three straight drives where he led three straight scoring drives. And so you feel really comfortable about him stepping into the back. I, personally, I was super disappointed just because 
I haven't seen Anthony Richardson play in person. I was very impressed the first two weeks Washington play, and, and I wanted to see him play. And I was really looking forward to seeing him going up against Lamar and just, you know, this new age quarterback. And so I was a bit disappointed that he wasn't going to be able to play. As, as special teams, you know this better than anybody, but also in like the regular down situation, do you think fans understand how, how much weather can affect a game and just the proper execution in all phases of a football game? Yeah, and this week, I mean, it could be it could be instrumental in this game because you know you talk about thirty, forty, fifty mile an hour winds and rain, you know, and and, and we were there in Baltimore today, and and it, the, the the weather was fine, you know, and and you have a whole game plan that you're putting in all week, and that that whole game plan could go out the window. And, and when you look at Shane Steichen and the Colts and what they want to do, that quick, short passing game where you're trying to get the ball out really quick, what Gardner does really well. Um, you know, in a game like that, that, that kind of stuff could be out the window. You couldn't you, – I mean, who knows what it's going to be like on Sunday, but it could be a situation where, you know, throwing the ball is just really difficult, and it could come down to, hey, who, who, whose offense line and whose defense line is going to function better. It could be a big old-school smash-mouth football type game. Jay Feely of CBS joins us. So it's been a small two-game sample size here. But I really like what the Ravens did in the offseason, you know, helping out at least skill position player-wise. Lamar Jackson in the fashion in which they have to this point. What, what, what's impressed you in these two games the most out of Baltimore? And why would we – I'm certainly placing them at the top of the AFC as of right now. What are the most important, or important impressive aspects you have seen from this team? Really both sides of the football, I'll ask, so far like- this season. I like the culture, number one. Yeah, I think they got really good guys. It's probably the best leadership they've had on this team since the Ray Lewis uh, days. You know, and they got guys that, that love football. And they went out and they got Todd Munkin, their offensive coordinator, and they had a ton of success. I mean, it's not an easy decision for Jim Harbaugh to make. Uh, I'm sorry, John Harbaugh to make to go and say, hey, you know, we've had a lot of success on the offensive side of the ball. Lamar won an MVP. We're going to make a change at the offensive coordinator position because – we think this is what we need to get to the next level to take us to try and win a Super Bowl. You know, so they bring a guy in who doesn't necessarily have a system, but is going to build their offense around their players, around their skills, and around their talents, and, and that's who Todd Munkin has been. You know, so he, then he goes about trying to develop, you know, this offense around now four first-round picks at receiver and obviously one of the best tight ends in the game, Mark Andrews. You know, and a guy in Lamar who's so unique and – I saw a number of things last week that, that I really liked. I mean, the, the throw to Zay Flowers down the seam was an awesome throw and a really good read, and, you know, he, he read it out. And, and even some of the misses that he had were, you know, he missed, he missed some of the, the fade routes, but making the right read, understanding where to go with the ball and, and, and seeing some of those plays, you just see a, a much more confident, much more comfortable Lamar Jackson, and that should scare, that should scare defenses. Jay, it's been a storyline for us here locally since back in, in training camp. I'm just wondering from a national perspective, outside looking in at this whole Jonathan Taylor uh, debacle that's been going on with the franchise, uh, how, how do you see the situation like this? Well, it's disappointing, right? I mean, you got a new head coach who comes in and he wants to get started on the right foot. you got a really exciting young quarterback. It's a young team in general. And you want to have a full complement of players out there and to not have a guy like that who I love watching, you know, and, and this offense is really predicated on, you know, they, they want to, they want to hit quick shots 
they want to continue to, you know, they, I kind of said it like this. They want to mesh it. They want to screen it. They want to slant it. Then they want to bomb it. And, you know, and then they want to also be able to hit you with the running game and, and take advantage of, of that offensive line. And, and to not have one of the best running backs in the NFL, I think it's super disappointing for everybody. And Zach Moss did a great job last week, ran, ran really well. Um, and that was nice to have him back and to see him in there. But to not have a guy who's one of the best backs, one of the best all-around backs in football is disappointing. I think they mismanaged the whole situation. I think it was, you know, disappointing the way that it, that it played out. And, you know, who knows where it goes from here. So Jay Feely of CBS on the call coming up on Sunday, uh, the Colts and Ravens in Baltimore. You know, Jay, it's interesting. The first two games of the season, really both with Jacksonville and a loss, and then last week in Houston with a win, the Colts have had a major edge to start the games and throughout the games along their defensive line. And then you consider what Baltimore is going to be missing offensive line-wise, including Stanley coming up on Sunday. How much more is that going to be magnified, that offensive line versus Colts defensive line, in favor of the Colts in Week 3 on Sunday? Yeah, you don't have your left tackle and Ronnie Staley is one of the best, you know, in, in the league. And you don't have a young center in Tyler Lindebaum who, who's really, really good. And then you have two of your best players on the Colts and Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner that can just wreck a game. And DeForest, or Grover Stewart, just, he's been disruptive in the run game, just playing excellent football, getting in, into, the, into the backfield quickly. And, and DeForest is just awesome. You know, I mean, it's just so much fun to watch him and, you don't usually talk about a nose tackle and a defensive tackle when you start talking defensive football. And, but those guys are, have been so good getting in to the backfield and, and causing problems for, you know, the opposing offense. And if you're going to beat this Ravens team, you have, to get, you have to get penetration on the defensive line. You have to stop them, especially in a game where you figure the, the weather is going to have a big impact. Uh, those guys did certain, certainly play a big impact in this game. Uh, Jay, they both have challenges, but what do you think is more difficult, being a first-year, first-time head coach in the NFL or being a, a first-year rookie quarterback in the NFL? <laughs> well, I would always go with the, the quarterback. I mean, I, I, right. it, it's so hard playing that position. It's so difficult. It's the most demanding position in all sports, um, and which is why you know it's been really impressive watching Anthony Richardson. He didn't play a ton of Florida. Everybody knows that. And yet when you watch him, he played with some poise and played with confidence and he's been decisive and it's just been fun to watch him. You know, I mean, I, I just been really impressed with the way that he's played, hasn't played with hesitancy, he's made good decisions, been protecting the ball. You know, it's just been fun to watch. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of really good in store. And, and, and when you add in what he can do in the run game and those design runs, and we saw it last week, those two touchdowns against the Texans, just how dynamic he can be and the problems that he presents to defenses. There's a lot of things to be excited about for the Colts fans. I like how before I could even finish the question, Jay, you're already laughing because the answer is like, you're like quarterback. I could have asked yeah. the same question. What's more difficult being a, an astronaut going to the moon or being quarterback in the, I think you would still say quarterback. Yeah. I mean, just look around though. Look at Justin Fields and how he struggled, you know, look at, you know, some of the young quarterbacks and how difficult it is to step in and be really successful. And then you look at Anthony Richardson in the first two weeks, and you're like, you know, this guy looks like he belongs out there. And everything he's doing, you really like. And so that's why I said, like, it's just, there's just a lot to be excited about. 
That's, uh, again, Jay Feely's got you covered along with CBS coming up on Sunday with the broadcast. Week three has the Colts and the Ravens in Baltimore at one. And Jay's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And Jay really digs Metallica as he started out right there. There is nothing, nothing wrong with that, my man. Nothing. Do you like early Metallica or do you go into the 90s with your enjoyment of the Metallica? What do you like better? I'm more, I'm more an early guy. Like I'm old school. Like I love Guns N' Roses. I, you know, all the, all the old stuff. You know, that was kind yeah. of in my wheelhouse when I was growing up and in high school. And that's certainly my playlist when I'm working out. Jay, we appreciate you. We'll be watching coming up on Sunday. Have a fantastic broadcast, and uh, hopefully, we'll meet up again soon. Thank you very much. My pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline, friend of the show, he's the voice of the Hoosiers. Don Fisher is with us. Are you on the road, Don? Just got on the highway, yes. Okay, where are we going tonight? Watch Edgewood play? <laughs> well, I wish that were the case. Unfortunately, it's an Indian Creek, which would make it a much shorter trip. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm emceeing the Hall of Fame bank with Don and I used tonight. So. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, you're right. You're missing a short one tonight. Indian Creek. Trafalgar is going to be hopping with the Stangs in there against the Creek tonight. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, work intercedes sometimes, and that's not a good thing, but Sometimes it's a good thing, too, because the Hall of Fame banquet's always fun. Yeah, it's uh, Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. If you don't mind, I do want to double back. Almost a week ago, Saturday at noon, it was IU in Louisville at Lucas Oil Stadium. I want to start right here. What, what did you think about that environment for college football in that particular matchup last Saturday? Well, I thought it could have been a lot better. I mean, it was a loud crowd, but unfortunately, they were, I don't know how many were there, but I wouldn't think that they had 30,000 there. And uh, it, it was a little disappointing in that regard, but they were loud, and it was a fun atmosphere in the sense that two good college football teams were battling one another. And I think the biggest takeaway from it was Indiana's poor performance in the first half and the complete turnaround of the second. It was really fun to watch Indiana be resilient and bounce back in that ball game. Yeah, Fish, I, I was going to ask you about the re- resiliency. I, I, I guess you're frustrated when you see how that first half went down, and we're not in this for moral victories, but you see the way they fought back and were, you know, were within inches of tying that thing up and perhaps getting the win. Uh, how do you build on that? You know, we talked about the confidence uh, with Taven getting getting named the full-time starter and the way the way he led things. Uh, how do you take that and say, okay, came up short there, but this may be some bright things ahead? I think that's the takeaway from the game, Chris. I, I, I do think that Indiana showed that they're capable. Unfortunately, they didn't get it done at the end. Uh, you know, I, I still think the play call was not a great one, but 
uh, you know, and I, I was I got the inside scoop on why it didn't work and all that kind of thing. But at the same time, I think that there could have been a better play call. But that that being said, the one thing that it does impress me about this team is they 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 have some talent on. It. They're a better football team than we saw a year ago. Uh, Taven Jackson is right now a guy that, that looks like he can really fill the, the quarterback position role effectively. Uh, there's no question he's got talent. He is young. Uh, he's still learning. Uh, but that's a, always a process when you've got a young guy in there. But you love the arm strength. You love his uh, the way he looks like he can see what's going on defensively before he throws the football. Uh, he's got all the tools to be a really great quarterback at some point in time. And uh, he certainly looked the part in that ball game Saturday. I thought he played decently in the first half. He had a few high throws, which is going to happen sometimes because of pressure or whatever the case may be. But honestly, I was really impressed with his performance. The receiving core is ex- exactly what we expected. It's really talented. Donovan McCulley has taken a step up in his abilities uh, at the wide receiver spot. We didn't see a lot of Omar Cooper last week, but we're probably going to see a lot more of him this week. He is still a guy very much in the developmental stage, just like any other redshirt freshman might be. Um, obviously, Cam Camper is special. And uh, they just have a a bevy of other receivers, too, that if somebody does go down, like E.J. Williams was out last week, I don't know if he'll play this week or not. We don't know that situation right now. But but there are guys that can take his place. The Keith Carter's another one. So I I still think that the running backs and and the offensive line play has got to improve, especially the line play. I do think they've got good enough backs to be a, a talented backfield. But the offensive line, even though they did a tremendous job last week of keeping the quarterback clean and have basically done that in each of the three games played up to this point, they still open, haven't opened up a lot of big holes for the offensive running game to take play, to uh, really catch fire and show us something. And I do think they've got the backs capable of doing that. It's just this, right now it's a situation where the offensive line has to do a better job of run blocking. Fish, as nosy as John and I are, you really think you can slide the comment in, I got the inside scoop, I know about the play call and why it didn't work, and you think we're not going to ask you, what's the inside scoop, Fish? I have no problem with you asking the question, and I have no problem in saying I can't tell you. (laughs) I I knew that was coming, but I had to ask at least. (laughs) I'm kind of like Tom Allen now. I can evade the question. (laughs) <laughs> well, hey, hey, Don, we both agree with you on that play call. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It just would be kind of interesting to hear the story because not only was that blown up, it was completely blown up. It was like you almost went over and told them what was coming at them. And yeah. I, I, I guess that's the fact that that play was so discombobulated looking um, and failed so miserably. That's a reason why everybody points the finger to that one play when you did in the second half see a lot of really good things out of that Hoosier football team offensively. Yeah, and and I and go to go to the defensive side of the football. The first half, giving up big plays, uh, not being able to get the Louisville stopped either on the ground or through the air. That was frustrating as heck because the defense of the first couple of ball games was special. 
last week in the first half, they were not. I mean, they looked like they had some real problems with what they were seeing out there. And then in the second half, essentially shut Louisville down. I mean, they had 300 yards, I think, in the first half. In the second half, they held them to 100. So what a turnaround that was for that group. And I still think that right now they are the strength of this football team if they play up to their capabilities. Uh, but we're seeing a, re- a rejuvenation of the offensive side of the football with David Jackson in the quarterback position. He's been terrific in the last two ball games in the sense of not making a lot of mistakes. And so you just got to feel good about what we've seen. And you cert- should, certainly should see that tomorrow night when they play Akron because uh, Akron's a bit American conference team that's, you know, they, they have had some really tough goes here in the last several years. I think preceding Joe Moorhead becoming the head coach last year, I think they've won two ball games in the previous two seasons. So they're a, they're a team that has a lot of transfer portal guys. They're going to give Indiana a bit of a battle because they are a mid-American conference team, and everybody kind of overlooks those teams, and they, they come up and surprise you sometime. And I just hope that doesn't happen to Indiana tomorrow because Akron's not a dud ball club. They had Kentucky within uh, three points. It was, I think, 10-3. Uh, uh, at the end of the third quarter, or 14 to three at the end of the third quarter, and they just let it get away from them in the fourth and final period. But they looked like the stronger football team that I anticipated, and I did watch a good portion of that ball game. Yeah, Fish. When you think about it, a 17-point favorite. You're coming off that, you know, emotional game against Louisville. You're you're back into Big Ten play next week. Well, that, that's a challenge for Tom Allen because you look on the schedule, fans, and sometimes maybe players go, "Oh, it's it's just Akron. We can show up." But that, that's a big ball game for them. They're coming in to a Big Ten stadium. They've got transfer portal guys. You got Moorhead, who's got head coaching experience in the SEC and was a coordinator, you know, at Penn State and Oregon. So he, he knows what he's doing. It's just a question of will they will they have to punch IU in the mouth to get their attention or will the the Hoosiers come out and be ready from the opening kick yeah I think that's I think that is the big key in the ball game be ready to play tomorrow like it's against Louisville or against Ohio State if you you go into that mindset then you're not going to be surprised you're not going to have a problem in bouncing back if you get behind and I don't I, I hope Indiana doesn't get behind but nevertheless if you do if something would happen that they would score early uh, you'd hope that, the, that Indiana would bounce back in a hurry and, and definitely make a non-game out of it from the standpoint of, of points because Indiana as everybody knows uh, when he's expected to win sometimes they don't play up to their capability and I don't know why that is but it happens uh, and, and it happens more to Indiana than it does a lot of teams over the years. And when you're expected to win or when you're expected to pull off a great performance, uh, sometimes Indiana doesn't get it done. And I hope that doesn't happen tomorrow. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, and let's make a note. I believe when we hear a shrill beep, is that your radar detector? Of course. What are you talking about? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I kind of want to know. I'm trying to guess. I'm kind of trying to guess where you are on I-69 to where your radar detector goes off. So I'm, uh, well, I'm, I'm where you. I'm right. You know where that vintage car place is on on the 69 now? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I just passed. Yeah. All I right then. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, so was there was there a policeman that was staked out watching you go by when your radar detector went off? 
no, nobody was sitting there that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a new ball game with I sixty nine, Don, as you well know, right there. As far as uh, that is concerned, so. Yeah, you guys, you guys not, are no. going to get me in trouble. You, you, you're going to get me in trouble. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we won't get you in trouble. I, I will move on to this. My my impression with Jalen Lucas is pretty large right now offensively. I, I want to get yours because there is so much put on his shoulders offensively and expectations through the first portion of the season. How has he been to you, Don? I think he's lived up to everything we expect out of the young man. Um, they have given him more opportunities in the passing game uh, than we saw last year at any time. Uh, he is running the ball very effectively when they don't run him inside the tackles, which I think that's always a mistake with a guy that's 5'9 and 170 pounds. you got to get him in the open field, give him opportunities uh, to do something in faking guys out. And with his speed, obviously – He's an All-American. I don't think there's any question about it. He's got the same kind of demeanor, uh, toughness that you'd like to see in a running back, and yet he's got good hands. He's a great return guy. He does so much for you. And offensively right now, in all-purpose yards, he's one of the leaders in the country at this juncture because of his skills in all those areas. Well, Fish, I, I know you're used to talking to a lot of people when you don't have to see them. You're just on the radio. Uh, now you'll be face-to-face with some folks tonight for the Hall of Fame. Do you have your opening remarks prepared? Are you going to go knock them dead? And what can you tell us about the class going in? Well, it's a pretty impressive class, no question about that. Drake Druin, of course, one of the great track and field stars at Indiana, uh, is going in tonight. Uh, there's no question that one of the people that you would have thought would already be in the Hall of Fame at Indiana, George McGinnis, is being inducted. Uh, and one of my closest friends uh, in, in, in at Indiana University is Dr. Larry Rank, who's the basketball yeah. uh, physician and a guy that's been all over the world with the U.S. Olympic teams and one of the great doctors in this country. And uh, he is going in the Hall of Fame tonight as well. Uh, so it's it's a special night from that perspective alone. It is amazing when you think about how many, not just we, everybody thinks about hoops players, but there's been so many great athletes and people that have been a part of that university and athletic program. And it, it's it's nice to see them when sometimes you, you think maybe long overdue when, when you see folks getting the call. Yeah, you're right. And, and there's nobody that deserves being in more than Larry Rick. The guy has been the team position for basketball for 40 years now. He and Brad Bamba. Brad Bamba was the position before him. And, and as everybody knows, Brad is going to be at the program tonight. He has had a tough bout with his physical issues over the years. So many surgeries. He was a great football player at IU. And he's in the in the in Indiana's Hall of Fame as well. He's going to be on hand. It's so great that he'll be there tonight for, for Dr. Rick. And like I said, getting George McGinnis in there is special. Yeah. Uh, I guess they have rules. They have rules at one time that you had to be either a graduate or a guy that was there for the full year, four years, or whatever the case may be. They relaxed that rule some time back. And now George McGinnis, who certainly deserves to be in Indiana's Hall of Fame, having one of the great seasons of all time in Big Ten Conference history uh, with his performances back in the days, back in 1971, in that era. So there's no doubt. And he only got to play one year because at the time that he came to college, uh, freshmen were not allowed to play. 
So he had to sit out a year and play freshman basketball. If, think about if he'd have been there for two seasons, hmm. he might have led it to a national championship. That's what's funny when you think about some of the greats. Uh, Pete Maravich, uh, Walton, Lou Alcindor didn't get to play as freshmen. You you imagine what the record books would look like then. But my key question right now, Fish, will you, will you get the steak or the chicken? <laughs> I have no idea what the – I don't know what beef they're going to serve tonight, but I always like beef. And as long as it's beef and chicken, I have no problem. I don't like fish sometimes when you get them at a banquet. <laughs> Todd Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, with us. Hey, before I let you go, I, I did want to mention one more thing about George McGinnis. I mean, obviously, I, I caught him on the tail end of his career, but man, there should be so much more that is so well known to so, the younger generation that they don't know about George McGinnis and how dominant, how forceful he was as a player. You know, and the term man-child, you know, it's been brought up before. It was LeBron James in high school. And so that was George McGinnis. That from, yeah. Especially when he was at Washington High School, from what people tell me that actually saw games, that's exactly how they describe him to me. And I, I wish that there was a, a greater appreciation for the younger generation that just simply doesn't know uh, just about how dominant of a player and those moments that he had really on every basketball level. Yeah, and then think about this. He was a tremendous football player, too, and he had the body that was even more suited for football than it was for basketball, at least from a physical standpoint. I mean, he would have been an incredible tight end uh, in college football, and maybe he was fast enough, I think. He probably could have been a wide receiver, but at 6'8", that's probably not going to happen, but he would have been a phenomenal <laughs> football player. In fact, Gil Brandt, of the Dallas Cowboys at that time came to see him to find out if he would have any interest in playing NFL football. Man. And Gil Brandt, obviously one of the greatest to ever do it in the NFL in evaluating talent, uh, recently has has passed away. I I just remember this because that is one of the posters I had on my wall. Uh, they had those Sports Illustrated posters back in the day, and the one with George McGinnis, it said Big Mac on it. It said Big Mac on the top, on my wall back then. He, w- he was, and, and those, those 70s teams, I think in particular, you might correct me if I'm wrong, I think 77 when they played Portland and lost in the NBA Finals, he was in there. He had, uh, uh, you know, some fantastic games in that series against Bill Walton and the Blazers back in 77. Just great memories of a fantastic basketball player and all-around great athlete. You know what was the most fun thing I ever saw him do? I saw him do it multiple times at IU. I didn't see a lot of it when he played the NBA. But he had a one-handed jump shot from about 20 feet that was unbelievable. And he hit it almost every time he shot it. telling you I, I wish there's more video out there because he was a bad dude Don <laughs> he was a bad dude and enjoyable to watch hey uh, give him our best have a great time down at IU both tonight and then tomorrow night for that game versus Akron safe travels and we'll do it again next Friday Don thank you thanks for having me on guys appreciate it raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, one of those Friday night tilts in the Big Ten, right? Wisconsin, ross Aid versus Purdue. Purdue coming off a huge disappointment in that night game last week in that loss against Syracuse. To talk about it, Tom Deanhart, Golden Black Illustrated, joins us. You know, sometimes you wonder about Friday night games and quick turnarounds and that. Is this one that you look at as, man, that is necessary because of the way things crapped out going back to Saturday night? Or is this one where you're saying, eh, it's a Friday night college football game and it shouldn't happen? What's the viewpoint in West Lafayette regarding this Badger-Boiler matchup? It depends on how you want to spin it, right, John? I'm going to say it's probably good for Purdue to get back on that old bicycle and, and, and try again, uh, try to erase the memory of last Saturday night. Um, like you said, dispiriting loss to Syracuse, you know, 35-20, to 20, uh, four turnovers, 11 penalties. Uh, there were some ugly moments, John, defensively with the way that Syracuse quarterback was able to run the ball. But here comes Wisconsin, right? And for Purdue, that's bad news. Um, I know history doesn't matter, but, but it's fun to talk about. And 16 losses in a row for Purdue to these guys. And, John, the last mm. time last time Purdue beat these guys in Ross Age Stadium was 1997. Right? I still had a full, luscious head of hair. Joe Tiller was in his first year as coach. Now I'm bald. Joe Tiller's dead, and he's got a tunnel name for him. So my point is it's been a long time. Yeah, it has. And, uh, Luke Fickle, the head coach, Wisconsin still likes to do all in all like what they normally do. But what, what are some of the things you have noticed that have maybe either subtly or not so subtly changed now that they've gone with Fickle on this Wisconsin team compared to the ones that have had ownership over the Boilers in recent history? Yeah, I guess I like to say this isn't your father's Wisconsin. Um, you know, Barry Alvarez set a heck of a template there for years, starting in 1990. Physical team, you always knew what Wisconsin was, right? You knew their identity. They're going to try to punch you in the nose with that ground game. Uh, but now, you know, Fickle's here, and, and they've uh, installed their own version of the air raid-based offense, much like Purdue. He hired an offensive coordinator named Phil Longo from North Carolina. Don't get me wrong, they still want to run the ball. They still have two really good backs led by Braylon Allen, but they're throwing it more now. They're trying to update that offense, I think, uh, to be more modern, appeal more to recruits as well, and just to be more, I, th- I think, more effective and balanced. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've got a transfer quarterback just like Purdue, John Tanner Mordecai from uh, yeah. Scarlet, Oklahoma, went to SMU now, of course, at, at Wisconsin. So it's going to be interesting. And Wisconsin's given six. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'll, I'll be flat out honest with you. Uh, for Purdue, yeah, nobody really expects the boys to win. But, but if you're a Boiler fan, you hope they can at least take this deep into the fourth quarter here. Who knows, maybe steal it. What, um, what was the thought after that disappointing loss to Syracuse last Saturday night? Well, where's, I guess where is the depth right now of the fan base with this Purdue football team after, after that loss to the Orange? I think there's some questions. I don't think anybody thought they'd be one and two after three games. Fresno State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, two of those being at home. Purdue's lost both the home games. I think most thought this was going to be a two and one team coming out of the first three weeks. 
And like I said, to give up 271 yards rushing last week, to have Garrett Schrader, the Orange quarterback, run for 195 yards and four touchdowns. Um, and again, to see the mistakes last week too, John, like I mentioned, the four turnovers and 11 penalties, it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I mean, it's only three games, right? But it's the only snapshot we have right now to judge everything. And it's obviously not a complete picture, but but um, yeah, yeah, I think you know this team has to uh, has, has to take this game in deep for the fourth quarter, and, and I think just just get things buttoned up on both sides of the ball, especially with the turnovers and penalties. I think tonight. Yeah, even with a new head coach, I mean, how quickly does that honeymoon wear out if they have another performance anywhere similar to the vein in which they had last Saturday night? Well, I mean, I think it's probably waning right now. To be honest with you. Uh, uh, and even even all the bad they did last week, the turnovers and penalties, it was still a 21 to 14 game in the fourth quarter. So amazingly, they somehow were still in it. And again, like I said, here comes Wisconsin, a team that's owned Purdue. And again, I think most of the fans here don't expect Purdue to win, but you don't want to get blown out of the water. You want to play better than you did last week. I guess bottom line, Johnny, you want to you want to show you, you you've learned from your mistakes of last week. Next week, September 30th, at home against Illinois for homecoming. That's probably a real must win. I mean, there's no way Purdue can be one of four coming out of this month. So they got to be at least two and three. But who knows? Like I said, maybe, maybe Purdue somehow finds a way to steal this one tonight. So Tom Deanhart, Golden Black Illustrated. It is Purdue in Wisconsin tonight. Friday night, Big Ten football up at uh, West Lafayette. Ross Age Stadium. I, you and I talked a couple of different times before the start of the season, and, and it was noted that you had some apprehension about this defense, and certainly that has held serve. Um, it's had a couple of moments, but not nearly enough. Has there been any other aspect, any other position, any other player that hasn't lived up to it that you have been unexpectedly disappointed in to this point through three games? I guess um – you know, maybe Devin Mockaby to a small degree. John, we keep an eye on number 45 tonight. You know, he fumbled three times last week. Pretty had seven fumbles, which was amazing total when you think about it. But he had three of them. And Caroline Walters kind of hinted maybe we'll see more Tyrone Tracy, the kid from Decatur Central High School, who yeah. began his career at Iowa. Well, I watched to see if we see more number three. If he tries to send a message to Mockaby, he hasn't maybe, I think, looked as good as some of us thought coming out of the gate here early on. And um, so, yeah, keep your eye on that. You know, uh, from an injury standpoint, I know you talked about some of the Colts injuries where Purdue's got, got some they're dealing with. But I think, I think the key guys who are hurt, I think Purdue may get some good news tonight. Uh, I think that their best defensive player, Kydron Jenkins, is probably going to play number four, the outside linebacker. He missed the second half last week with what we think is a concussion. And Zionsville, Indiana's Gus Hartwig, the center, has yet to play this year. You know, he hurt his knee last November been slow to come back, but I, th- I think there's a chance Gus is going to play tonight, maybe even start. And I think that would be a big boost to this offensive line, John. It's an offensive line that, if you watch Purdue football, is really struggling. It's third and one or fourth and one. that They, they can't get a push. They're not physical. Getting Gus back, I think, obviously would be a big boon. And I think Purdue may have a new kicker tonight, too. Um, and we think that the starter, Ben Freehill's injured, so there could be a new guy handling kickoffs in placement. So uh, just a few things for fans to keep their radar on when they watch this game on FS1 tonight at 7. Yeah, what um, what do you think the issue has been with Mockaby? Because there was there was so much. And I mean, I, I, it's unfair, is it not, to say, well, you know, he just completely blasted through expectations a year ago, and now, 
you know, you hit a different stratosphere, and now people are really zoned in on you. And that's the reason why, because it seems like it's more to me. But what, where would you target as to why there's been such a major issue with him? I think it's some of that a blend of stuff, the expectations. I do think the new offense, I think what Brown was doing from people, what people have told me is a little bit different. Uh, Devin may be running with a little bit of hesitancy so far as well. And just maybe trying to live up to that hype, John. Sometimes you try to do too much. And I think that was some of the case last weekend. You never questioned his effort. He's an empty the bucket guy. Um, but I think maybe he was trying to do a little bit too much. So I think he'll be okay. Um, but, yeah, I, just, I think it's like maybe it's a blend of things so far through this first three games that, that have maybe muted the, some of the things they thought Mockby was going to do coming out of the gate. Yeah, no doubt about that. When you start talking about, you know, the next guy up in, in terms of Ryan Walters earlier this week, uh, yeah, that's, that comes at you a bit like a hammer right there, doesn't it? So, I mean, it's, and you, you got it. You got to do that though. As much as you like the kid and respect the kid for what he's accomplished, you, you, just, you can't have that type of game. I think you have to, you have to send a message to the other players too. If, if you're not playing well, if you're making mistakes, there's got to be consequences. And every, every player on that team watches to see maybe how Mockaby is going to be handled. They're going to look at it and say, wow, he had three fumbles and he had no real repercussions or wow, he had three fumbles and he didn't start or he didn't get as many carries. So um, I, I think it's, it, it's going to be important to see you know, how much he's used tonight. Uh, so you keep that on your radar. And Hudson Card, too. I guess Hudson Card's been pretty good. I guess has he been great? I, I don't think he's been great so far. I, I think, you know, Hudson Card maybe has to take his game to a whole, a whole other level. Um, his receiving core has been solid, but it's really amazing, John. They really only play three receivers. Um, that I play the majority of these snaps. And, and Deion Burks, number four on offense, he is the real big playmaker. I think they still got to find more ways to get him the ball. Either jet sweeps, throw it to him behind the line of scrimmage, laterals, just get the ball in his hands in space and let him be, be who he is, which is a great freaky athlete. And we've talked about the defense, where they've been, and what we thought they were going to be doing. Hey, give me – what you think about Graham Harrell and the calls and what he has done offensively through three games? Has that been where you thought? Did you expect more? Has it been okay? What have been your thoughts on this Boilermaker offense through three games? It's been okay. There's been fits and starts. Not a lot of consistency. There have been, again, some great runs and some droughts. I remember being in Blacksburg a couple of weeks ago, and there was a, there was a, a lull between, uh, between the second and third quarters, maybe seven or eight drives where they came up empty. So, again, um, sometimes I watch this offense and I really kind of wonder, what is it? Somebody asked me to describe Purdue's offense. Could I describe it in, you know, in, in, in 20 words or less or 15 words or less? I'm not sure if I could. I'm not sure what they hang their hat on right now. I really still think it's a work in progress. Tom Deanhart of Golden Black Illustrated does join us. Give me a portion of the Wisconsin offense that is going to be most difficult, you think, for Purdue's D to deal with tonight. Oh, and still, even even though they're a quote air raid based offense, it's still going to be, be running yeah. that football. You know, running that football. Like I mentioned Braylon Allen, a terrific junior. Uh, Shane Maselli, who's a transfer from Clemson, was there last year. He's he's really good too. So, uh, as you know, John, anybody who watches football knows anything about football. If, if you're able to run the ball, you're going to have a lot of success. And if that Wisconsin's running like they typically have against Purdue, it's probably going to be a long night for the Boilermakers. So. Uh, until Purdue shows it can handle or at least mute that Wisconsin ground game, 
you know, I think I think they could have some issues. So that that's going to be the matchup for Boilermaker fans to watch when Purdue's trying to stop the Badgers tonight. Well, there's no doubt, Tommy D. Too Friday nights historically a high school football Friday night. What does that affect, and, and maybe the effect of being disappointing so far? What's that going to do to the crowd at Ross A. this evening? I don't know. I, it's not going to be a sellout, I don't think. Um, sometimes I think maybe that narrative gets a little bit overblown. Um, um, but these high school games are going to go on regardless. Um, it's, it's more for the kids at the schools and the parents and the coaches and maybe some hardcore high school fans around the areas. But by and large, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that 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 that, and that impact on high school football is as, as pronounced as some people like to try to make it out to be. And I don't know if that's really going to be a factor on why the crowd may not be a sellout. But the real reason these Friday night games are hard sell is, John, if you're driving from Chicago, maybe you have to work on Friday. Maybe if you're in Fort Wayne, some of these fans travel some, 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 some good distance in these games and are able to do it after work on Fridays for a Saturday game. So I, I just think scheduling for some of these fans, it's, it's hard cause, because Friday's a work day. Yeah, it um, it is kind of weird. I know most people hate it. I, I, I'm i assuming that you just kind of got to fall in line because that's the way that it is. I mean, hell, you're probably lucky you're not playing, you know, basically every other night of the week the way that it is now. Whatever's going to make the money is going to make the money. And, you know, I hate to say that because one of these days that may be the case, Tom. You know that. It's coming. That's coming. The NFL is going to go that way. You're going to get games on Tuesday and Wednesday night. Those, those singular <laughs> events that they can isolate out by themselves, draw big ratings. And, again, TV is going to do whatever these, these – uh, the leagues are going to do or whatever, these, whatever t- TV tells them to do. They keep putting zeros behind the numbers on those checks. Now, they'll play on Tuesday night. They'll play on Wednesday night. Again, the NFL is going to do it, I think. And like it or not, man, you know, it's all about – it's not about the people that actually buy a ticket. It's about the guys sitting at home. It's about the yeah. TV people, which, is, which obviously isn't a big revelation, but – it's kind of sad for the people who actually make an effort to go to games and, and plunk down their money and have to sit through some of these long TV breaks and whatnot. But like I said, man, this is this is a, 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 every bit as much of a TV sport as we always thought it was. All right. Well, hopefully Purdue has a big night offensively up there and uh, breaks that that streak against Wisconsin. That's been forever, right there. Wow. Yeah. 2003 was the last time they got him. That was in Madison. Of course, the next year, 2004, and back in Ross A, John, that was the day college game day was here. Purdue was ranked fifth in the country, 5-0. and And, of course, Kyle Orton has that fumble late that Wisconsin returns for a touchdown. They pull off the upset. And, honestly, Purdue football took a big dip down from that moment on for, for over 10 years, probably. You know what's funny about that is it always kind of seems like there's a moment. And, and IU fans, maybe not so much a moment, but with IU fans, it's it's normally when you have something working really well, maybe it's the offense, your defense is in the toilet. When your defense is working well, your offense is in the toilet. It's, it's always a major factor like that. But with Purdue, it's always seemed like it's been a moment, right? Always been a moment to where you feel it and you see it coming and then it doesn't happen. And you could always point your finger like that Orton moment to a moment yeah. just like that. Yeah, that was one of the most dubious, disappointing moments in, in Boilermaker football history. Like I said, that was really the end of that, yeah. was, the end of, that, that was the end of the apex of the Joe Tiller era. Because his last five, two, yeah. five, six, seven, and eight, they were just a middling program. His last four or five years, and then of course Danny Hope and Daryl Hazel, Jeff Brown brought some life back. Of course, I think hindsight and history is going to look back on his era pretty fondly. So he was able to get the program right again. 
Now we'll see what, what Ryan Walters can do. If he can, he can build off of maybe what Ron was able to do here for six years. Hey, Tommy D, the one thing that we had talked about as well, this schedule basically until Halloween is absolutely unforgiving. It is, when you look at it, it is incredibly tough. And it, it we've seen it. It's been difficult for them to navigate it at all so far. They're, they Fortunate that Vatek game went the way that it did because they could be even uglier if you're not careful. Yeah, Vatek's a bad team, I think. So I'm glad they won that game yeah. for their sake. Yeah, they had four or five games at home in September. That's why you have to make hay. And that's why being one and two right now has got to be concerning. I thought Purdue needed to be three and two coming out of this month to really be set up to, to go to a bowl to get to six and six. Now at one and two, their task is you know really complicated. Um, I mentioned Illinois. Then you look at the rest of the schedule. They go to Iowa and they go to Michigan. Ohio State comes to West Lafayette. Um, it's a lot of heavy lifting. You have to go to Nebraska. Uh, and then you finish up with Minnesota Northwestern and Indiana, which you can maybe make some hay, but. Or if he only has one or two wins coming out of September, again, look at that schedule and find me four more wins in October and November. It's tough. Tommy D, go get them later on tonight. They're going to be able to pull you off the hill on a Friday night to get you in the stadium in time to be able to do something? Uh, I, got pulled <laughs> off, I got pulled off a little tailgate. I was playing some cornhole earlier, John, so I'm ready to go. I'm ready to Were you really? I'm ready to head over, find my seat, and hopefully have a hot cup of coffee. Are you a, are you a badass Cornhole player? No, I'm not. I, I probably went fourth or fifth time I ever played cornhole in my life. I just had a bunch of college buddies that are back in town. So we, some guy had an RV and he was set up south of campus in the Discovery Park era, area. So I was just kind of playing to pass some time, drinking some, some monster energy drink, buddy. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm, yeah, I'm jacked out of my mind. I'll be up to about 2 a.m. You are, yeah. You won't, you won't go to bed till Tuesday. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm kind of, you know, I kind of like to find out games. I can watch football tomorrow. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, you got, yes, this weekend. When you weekend, think about man. it, this, this weekend is, uh, it, it should be, uh, you get to the NFL Sunday may not be as robust as college football Saturday this particular weekend, but man, you got plenty of time. Got You got plenty of time to downshift from tonight. So remember that. Okay, buddy. going to be fun. John, I appreciate you having me, buddy. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. CarX, your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. Sponsors the high school football game of the week, HSE in Zionsville tonight here with Brendan King on the call. Also, this visit from Bob Lovell every Friday from Indiana Sports Talk, and Bob joins us now. How are you doing, Bob? How's your Friday afternoon shaping up? Sounds to me like uh, you are, people are accusing me, you, of being my age, John. <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought I thought with and I don't we had, I, we had I a bunch. Be that old either. 
<laughs> we had a bunch of, of uh, medical students in here, um, and, and most of which were female, uh, from Marion right. University. And I thought, and they all came around and, and got on, you know, the YouTube live feed and all that, and we're all making noise behind me. And I felt that was the youngest that I have sounded in like 10 years. Huh. I thought that was the youngest segment I've had in a long time right there. Not old and crotchety, yeah. as I was described. <laughs> yeah. Just just wait. Me being the only septuagenarian on the air. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> just wait is all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I, that's just kind of the way that it is right there. So, <laughs> yeah. See, I also, even well, our, even well, the our Caleb well, guy says I have a bad take about the Andrew Luck thing. I just didn't like it. I don't give a, I don't care if it's a top five Twitter account. I don't care. I didn't like it. I didn't think it was funny. No bad take out of that. Rather, yeah. Personal That's preference. Coming through yeah. It's coming so through clearly that, on what that, you're that may have sounded crotchety right there, but I don't think the first segment <laughs> it sounded crotchety <laughs> whatsoever. Um, I, I mentioned HSE. And, <laughs> I mentioned HSE in Zionsville coming up tonight. Brendan King has the call. That's our high school football game of the week. Let's start right there as far as these week six high school football matchups, Bob. John, you are um, at uh, two-thirds of the way through the regular season. you got nine games in the regular season. So here at the end of tonight, we'll, we'll pass, obviously, the two-thirds mark and have one-third left. The pairing show is on October the 8th, one of those great weekends. 6A has some great games. Uh, Center Grove, Lawrence Central, Ben Davis at Lawrence North. Brownsburg at Westfield is a great game. Uh, Brownsburg's uh, third, Westfield's fourth. They've reloaded. Best game of the night, though, John, has to be Chittard and Guerin, number one versus number two in 3A. That is a tremendous – both these teams are really, really good. Um, Chittard has had, obviously, big, big wins. Guerin has uh, only lost once. And so, one and two, you don't see it very often, and you got it going on tonight up at Guerin Catholic. Yeah, I think it was – maybe it was last week. It's last week when, when Ron Colley beat Garen, I, I thought maybe Garen had Ron Colley in the sides and then Ron Colley ended up getting a win. And I, I would mention there are a lot of people that I know that listen to the show that uh, are in and around Garen that have high expectations as they move forward in this season. And, and really, Chittard is just being Chittard – but they right. may have, certainly in the last couple of weeks, Bob, taken it to a different level here. Just maybe. No, I don't think there's any question. Uh, I think they've, they've elevated it. They've become much better defensively. Uh, and, you know, they take good care of the ball. They move the sticks. Uh, it's tough to play against. But this uh, guarantee has played the, at a high level all year long, John. And so they've been – both these teams have been pointing toward this Friday for a long time because they know – that this is they one of I think the best matchup in the state. Uh, there are you know there are some really good ones, but this is how often do you get one and two? That's that thing, and, and it's it's legitimate. So um, you, you'll I think have a better understanding what three A football is supposed to be after tonight. But those are two teams that are very capable of winning a championship in three A without question. Yeah, uh, I mentioned Southeastern and Zionsville, 4-1 and one and 3-2 is our uh, matchup tonight on the high school football game of the week. You brought up Brownsburg and Westfield. 
Uh, that is, I believe, tied for second and then fourth. So basically three and four at five and zero oh and five and zero. Oh. If you're going to look at it just by the numbers right there, that may be the best matchup across the board, high school football wise, in the state of Indiana tonight. It's pretty good. I mean, you, you know, Westfield has just uh, you steadily gotten better. Brownsburg, as we know, has tremendous talent, tremendous skilled players, explosive. They can score anywhere on the field. Uh, this is really one of those classic situations that if you're Westfield, you can't give up big plays. You just score when you have the opportunity, and it's a Brownsburg yeah. team that's capable of scoring a variety of different ways with the, with the guys they have. So great games. I mean, a whole lot of good games as you get into week number six without question. Yeah, I was um, talking to Greg Rakestraw earlier this week, and we were talking about 5A. I think you and I have um, kind of been on this subject a couple of different times. And believe me, I love it. You know, being from where I'm from, uh, Bloomington North has always been a back marker in Monroe County to that of Bloomington South over the years. You know, going back to Mo Moriarty and obviously, you know, all those great teams back then and and really still today. uh, They are 5-0. I believe they own... The lone, uh, lone loss, I should say, that Bloomington South has uh, so far this right. year, beating their crosstown rival. Uh, w- w- without the pairing down of 5A, w- it just it seems like that North should be more significant, but people kind of look at 5A as it's kind of caught between 4A and 6A, you know, with all these major teams, and it's just not as, as big of a group in 5A. Do they kind of they, they lose a little bit of traction, you think, at least notoriety-wise so far? because they're in 5A, even if they're having that type of year to this point? Well, I think people may look at it that way, but, but 5A, you look at it. 5A, Bloomington uh, North is third, uh, second, south is third, Plainfield is sixth. Plainfield plays Decatur Central, and Decatur Central is number nine, obviously another great game. Snyder is number one, and Snyder's played, Snyder played for a championship a year ago and didn't win it. Uh, so, you know, the, yeah, you can talk about the heavyweights in 6A, but I will tell you what, 5A, in terms of balance, may be as good as any class there is. And there's some really, really good football teams in 5A. Yeah, I, I'd agree, too. I mean, one of them would be your Quakers of Plainfield, also right. 5-0. and right. I, I just, It just seems like that they're caught in between the powerhouses of 6A and 4A, and they don't get – on this show they do and on your show that they do, but maybe – across the board, not giving the uh, level of love they normally get. Uh, East Central, Bob, uh, from southeastern Indiana, right, is always a major player. I mean, we know that always a major player, really all sports, but certainly football. At 5-0 and so far and number one in 4A, is this even a different level than it has been before? Does it kind of feel that way as we're well past the halfway mark in this regular season? Well, I think it feels like uh, you know they won last year and they're on on course to win again in 4A. They're they're that good. Uh, I mean, you look around and you try to see who who could beat them. I think Kokomo is as good as anybody. You know, they're coming out of the north, down in the south. You know, you know, East Central at some point will have to deal with either uh, Wrights or Memorial or or Bossy. Uh, and yeah. then you have Ron Colley, who's you know starting to get better and better, and so. Um, but right now, I, I think going into it, I, I think all along in talking with Paul Condry and others, uh, East Central was probably the prohibited favorite in 4A, but there's a, a whole lot of football to play. 
Yeah, it just seems like that even this year, even after a title, they're on a bit of a different level right here. Yep. I'm curious yep. about this, and I may, may be completely off base, uh, but coming uh, straight out of Hancock County, Hancock County, Greenfield Central at 5-0, and and New Pal at 3-2. and That's 5-6, and six, and they mm-hmm. match up mm-hmm. later on tonight. Um, certainly we know New Pal and their status over the years and what they've done in football is this kind of the regular season test? We're five and zero to ask how legit this season is to now and could be for Greenfield Central against New Pal tonight, Bob. Is that fair to say? Well, right. I mean, I think irrespective of what happens, they've had a great season, and it's one of those situations where they got a tremendous group of uh, upperclassmen. Uh, they've been pointing toward this for this class for a while. Uh, but you're right. This is a this is a massive game. When you talk about 4A uh, lately, New Pal has been at or near the top for quite a while, uh, and and they are uh, a really solid program, top to bottom. And so, if you're Greenfield Central, you're looking to establish an identity tonight. Is one of those nights where you're hopeful that you're able to do it. And so, uh, great match. You've also in 4A, Ron Conley and, and Burbuff. Burbuff's had a, a yeah. nice season. He had a great schedule. So. I'll tell you what, you just all the way through, John, the game seemed to be, we just seem to be getting harder and harder for everybody. And as I mentioned earlier, October the 8th for the pairing show, as hard as it is to believe that's we're going to be doing that uh, in not, uh, not too many days. You mentioned Chittard and Garen tonight, 3A, uh, Lawrenceburg 4-1, West Lafayette 4-1. I don't know too much about these two extreme Southern Indiana schools here. But Hanover Central, fifth ranked at 5-0. and Heritage Hills, I know of them from football in the past and certainly basketball and being around Santa Claus, Indiana, and Holiday World, uh, normally pretty good. This Heritage Hills team, 5-0 and on the season. What do you make of both of those high school programs down south, Bob? Well, Hanover Central is up north. Hanover Central is really, oh, really – you know, surrounded I, by that's not, yeah, oh yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's not, I'm yeah, sorry. No, I was no. thinking no, I was okay. thinking around Hanover yeah. University, my fault. Yeah, give me no, give okay. me the Hanover Central I think that's around Kankakee Valley is what no, I, I misspoke. Right. My fault. That, they're up in that vicinity. And yeah. there are a lot of really good teams up there and, and Hanover Central is, is obviously playing playing well. Uh Heritage Hills is a a historically strong football program. Uh and this is kind of a team where you know, they're throwing the ball a lot more than they normally have. Uh, they get some really skilled players. Uh, they're, they're an explosive team. Um, but this is, um, you know, a battle tonight for them playing Gibson Southern. Uh, we'll find out a lot more about them tonight. But, um, you know, Lawrenceburg has been good, having down there with South Dearborn and everybody in East Central. And so, you know, th- those pockets of the state are producing some really solid football teams. Yeah, as you mentioned, Hanover Central has Munster coming up later on tonight, and then as you mentioned too, Hamilton, or I should say, Heritage Hills has uh, Gibson Southern at three and two, uh, but certainly in the top five in the rankings in three A. In two A, Brownstown Central, Linton Stockton, Triton Central, Bluffton, uh, those are the top four in two A right now. That's it's about as good as you're going to find, certainly in that group so far. Cecina, right on the edge, by the way, at four and one. Well, Cecina is, is good. Cecina has been – they're just steady all the time uh, and play a great schedule. I think benefit from it when it comes tournament time without question. But, you know, they are um, 
you know, their challenge tonight is to take on a powerhouse in Lutheran. Lutheran hasn't lost in a long time. <laughs> They're, you know, two-time defending champs in 1A, ranked number one right now. So, again, it's it's a great test for Cecina, without question. And maybe uh, the surprise team in, in 2A around here might be Heritage Christian, ranked number seven and, and playing really, really good football. Yeah. No doubt about that. Bob Lovell's got you covered. Indiana Sports Talk later on tonight throughout the state of Indiana. And uh, certainly uh, you can find him. Indiana Sports Talk, both Friday and Saturday. Brought to you by CarX, your 14 central Indiana CarX locations to find one near you. It's CarX.com. Today, also a lot of college football you'll be talking about coming up tomorrow night. So I think you're going to be okay. You'll have some topics. Uh, but I always have you on speed dial just in case. So mm-hmm. I, I, that, that allows me to relax and know that everything's going to be okay. Appreciate that. You just call me anytime. Even when I'm playing 80s music, you can call me. You know that. <laughs> so is that it tonight, 80s music? What would you do if I called in in the middle of the show with a, with a request? <laughs> I'd love it, actually. Rakestraw does every yeah. week. Yeah, the, yeah. The, problem, the, the problem is I'd have to remember. <laughs> right, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. There's not much of a chance of that going on. So you're probably okay not to expect my call, okay? I got you, brother. Hey, have a great weekend. We'll do it again next All Friday. Time. Thanks, Bob. I look forward to it. Thanks. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.